0: welcome to the bitcoin takeover podcast this is season 15 and i have a very special interview today in which we're going to cover the early days of mining my guest today is ryan who has been a bitcoin miner for longer than i have known about bitcoin and i met him in prague when we were talking in the hallway and we had a very nice encounter with a lady who was working at the un do you remember any of that ryan
1: yeah she uh her intentions were good
0: <laughs> oh I'm, I'm not questioning that it's just that i very much appreciated how calm you were and how you basically listened to all of her arguments she was saying something along the lines of are you not concerned that bitcoin mining is causing earthquakes in turkey or something like that <laughs> and you asked her okay how does <laughs> you know co2 I... or whatever is generated it's not even co2 it's heat How does
1: yeah i was i was unaware of the the finer intricacies of uh bitcoin mining affecting the seismic uh charts so it was it was news news to me and i i think it was (laughs) uh it was difficult for her to fully communicate i think the science behind it understandably
0: yeah and Uh, i realized okay this guy is very good for a podcast because he's very patient he can explain stuff (laughs) and he knows a lot of stuff. So when did you start bitcoin mining?
1: Oof, um, at the end of uh, 2012. So um yeah, at the, at the time it was we were building some GPU rigs. Um we uh, we went on new egg and uh, just found the latest and greatest of GPUs and we're setting them up in our garage and running extension cords to all the different circuits and yeah, we, we actually didn't mine Bitcoin uh, a lot early day. Uh, we quickly found out that we were outclassed on the Bitcoin mining. So we started switching to Litecoin and Feathercoin and a few others and started uh, selling it to uh, buy Bitcoin. So uh, BTCE was our our big friend at the time uh, where we were, we were mining all the different altcoins we could find to trade up into Bitcoin.
0: Well, that's interesting because Bitcoin mining was so competitive and I guess at the time, some of the first ASICs were coming out, you had Butterfly Labs, I think, or was this yeah. later?
1: No, Butterfly Labs is right around the the time of their pre-orders. Um, so my buddy had uh, put in for a few Butterfly Labs pre-orders, and we we saw a couple other um, hardware devices come online for ASICs uh, in early 2013. Um, but we, we knew that... Uh, Obviously over in China and wherever the manufacturers were, they were mining a pretty, pretty at scale with the devices already. And there's just no way that the difficulty level was where it was at with GPUs. Um, so the, the era of solo, uh, solo mining came to an end very, very quickly in 2012.
0: Well, so you're also mining solo. You're not part of any pool.
1: Yep, yep. So we we were setting up our own rigs, trying to mine solo. So we could solo mine Litecoin at the time, and we could solo mine a lot of the other uh, networks. Uh, We didn't really get into the pool game until the end of 2013, when we just started realizing that a lot of these altcoins that we were solo mining uh, didn't have a good pool. So as the coin became more and more popular, uh, more miners were pointing hash power towards it uh solo mining was just not an option for a lot of smaller miners and that's when we started building mining pools at the end of 2013.
0: As far as I know the first Bitcoin mining pool that came out was back in 2010 it was Slush pool I think it, the first name for it was Bitcoin check or something Bitcoin.cz and even Satoshi was aware of it but yeah. it changed so much about the assumptions about securing Bitcoin Satoshi only assumed that everyone was going to run Bitcoin on their laptops or something and leave it open overnight, hoping to get a reward. And all of a sudden, everything changed. And in a way, it's better in the sense that if you're a minority of hash rate, your chances of finding a block are maybe once in a couple of years. So it's better Mm -hmm. to get steady rewards to cover your costs. But it yeah, also I'm, comes at the expense of decentralization. This is true.
1: and I'm not I'm not entirely sure that Satoshi didn't envision a a world with pools. Um, you know, it, it's a fairly trivial thing to split up a non-space and divide it among workers. Um, so knowing that he he thought through a lot of the the currency pattern of Bitcoin, um, I, I got to imagine he also, envisioned what mining would look like and the implications of mining into the future. Um, Even if it was a CPU or GPU mining, um, you can fathom that once Bitcoin starts to be worth enough to be a global currency, that people are going to be amassing large amounts of GPUs and CPUs. So there's going to be centralization risk just in that regard. Um, The idea of uh, pooled mining, it, it did come about very, very quickly. So um I can't imagine it was too big of a shock.
0: Yeah, and there was such a quick change from mining with your CPU to mining with your GPU to FPGAs if I'm not mistaken. Yep,
1: FPGAs. So I had a my my cousin was working at Xilinx at the time. So I had messaged her and said, "Hey, can you send me over some FPGA development boards?" Uh, this was in 2013, so I, I got some really high-end development boards, courtesy, courtesy of Xilinx, and started rolling some Verilog scripts to, uh, well, SHA mining was already, you know, they're already FPGA, um, log or Verilog scripts for SHA mining. Um, I started working on one for, uh, script mining at the time to try to get ahead of the, the, the script ASICs, um, which came out in, towards the end of 2013. Um, but those were the kind of the, the days of the, the wild west, right? Um, and back to what you said earlier, it was interesting is, you know, Satoshi having this, this idea that, um, CPU mining, right? Everyone with a computer is going to be able to mine. Um, you know, and that, that was always the historical vision was everyone could mine, right? Um, one hash equals one vote. You vote with your compute power. Um. Now, we've gotten pretty far away from that, and where mining has become more and more centralized around uh, specialized hardware and large facilities, and even more centralized around the the major mining pools themselves. Um, And historically, this is why we've seen a lot of new coins have been changing algorithms, right? So we had an algorithm explosion in 2013. Where every new coin was trying to invent their own algorithm to become um, ASIC resistant, right? No one wanted to release a coin with a Bitcoin algorithm or a Script algorithm because they would immediately, you know, get wrecked because of the difficulty swings. Uh, so you would have, you know, X11 and Cryptonite and all these different algorithms rolling out or School. Um, now there's, you know, dozens and dozens of different algorithms, um, if not thousands by now um one for each coin essentially trying to protect from you know asics or specialized hardware um now i i think with sia coin was notorious for this one where you know they they touted that uh it was going to be asic resistant asic resistant and then all of a sudden they rolled out their own asic <laughs> so it was a monetization model for them um but the the vision is how do you keep a network decentralized how do you keep participants engaged um, now, the vision through proof of work was everyone mines, right? Everyone with hard work in mind. Um, that model has has become, uh, I guess, lackluster or has fallen out of favor with a lot of the communities now, um, and that's why we're seeing just about every single new project come out is proof of stake. Um, it's way easier to control, it's way, way easier to distribute up front Um, and it's way easier to monetize for the teams up front. Now, long-term security and decentralization and uh, centralized risks around the initial distributors of the token are incredible in the proof of stake model, but uh, at least they don't have to worry about the hardware race.
2: Wasabi Wallet is unfairly private. It's the most advanced and most used Bitcoin Privacy Wallet, which half a million downloads across Windows, macOS and Linux, as well as thousands of fresh and new bitcoins get mixed every month. Wasabi makes use of the new generation Wabi-Sabi engineer to create mega-conjoins, thus mixing your bitcoins with those of hundreds of other users. For amounts lower than 0.01 bits and remixes, you pay no coordination fee. If you don't use your conjoins, Wasabi Wallet has a native Tor integration and downloads block filters to help to keep your network level and public key privacy. Downloads Wasabi Wallet for free today at wasabiwallet.io and experience the future of Bitcoin privacy.
0: Yeah, but I think that the element that makes Bitcoin not a Ponzi is specifically the proof of work distribution of the coins. Because there is this discovery of the supply, which is competitive and anyone can join the race. This is an important element that makes it very different from the idea of a Ponzi, where you have a central emitter of the currency, which can make moves or distribute according to their own will and also make changes to the code later. I think it's important for Bitcoin to remain proof of work and it's possibly the perfect marriage this of having a blockchain, which is secured by proof of work and all of the cryptographic breakthroughs that were used in Bitcoin. It's pretty nice, but something else that I want to add to the conversation is that if you read the white paper, you're going to see that node and miner are terms that are used interchangeably. At the time, there was no separation between mm-hmm. validation and securization or, you know, mining. So th- this is definitely something that happened later, maybe even after you joined Bitcoin in 2012. Yeah. Well,
1: keep in mind, even the the original versions of Ethereum is the same thing, um, where the, the mining aspect was built right into the geth node. So you're, you're mining your own blocks. If you stand up your own version of geth on your own chain um, ID, you know, you're, you're mining your own blocks right there all inside the geth instance. Um, and this was the original model of all the nodes um, you know, modeled right after Bitcoin is the, the wallet, the miner, the blockchain was all in one single application.
0: Now, it's really fascinating to see how far we've come, but at the same time, I did notice that in 2017 there was, or, or 2018 maybe, there was this movement to run Bitcoin nodes on a Raspberry Pi or a very low powered computer that anyone yep. can afford. And now there's a movement, which is very interesting. It was kickstarted by the guy from Crypto Cloaks. He's making, he's making, and he's commodifying basically mining through space heaters, which are essentially ant miner S9s that are repurposed mm-hmm. to work as heating devices. Now, I think it's very interesting. Now anyone can buy that for about two hundred dollars, and they can mine and also heat their rooms.
1: Well, we we, we joked about that years ago, um, even with the S3s and then the S5s, and now you know the S9s. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I used to have a, an S3 plugged in my bedroom, uh, in the winter to warm it up I and mean, they put off a, a ton of heat. Um, I think, uh, was this 20, when did the S3s come out? It had to have been 2014, I believe uh, the, all the, all the years are mixing up now, but I remember I had the addition of my house. I had a, a bunch of S3s running. I had extension cords running all over my house to reach every single circuit at the time. And I went in there one day, and it was like 140 degrees or something on the thermostat because it was just, just an insane amount of heat, and you know, like I couldn't vent the heat fast enough. Um, so, space heaters uh, with with miners has been you know the discussion point for years and years and years. Uh, there are hundreds of thousands of S nines out there that need to be recycled eventually. So, you know, more power to them. That's that's awesome if we can recycle the hardware rather than just throwing it in the dump. Um, I, I remember seeing pictures uh, from China, different miners in China, when the S5s went out of favor, and it was just mountains of these devices just being thrown out of the the warehouses into piles because um, there's nothing else to do with them.
0: Well, I think right now, everyone, every mining pool got better at repairing and taking parts from a broken one to fix another one. I mean, there's this whole DIY situation which is mainly driven by the fact that it takes a while to order and manufacture and stuff to get a new ASIC. So they have to figure out how to preserve the ones that they have, how to fix the ones that they have and make the most out of them. Yep. I think also the ASIC miners of today are more durable than the ones that were built in the early days.
1: I don't know about that. Uh I, I, it depends on the model. Uh the S17s are terrible. Uh, I had they 50 almost a 50% failure rate on the S17s within the first six months. It was it was terrible. Um, the s 9s are like tanks. I, I have S9s that have been like coated in dust and like just chugging away for years and years that I've tested against. So um, yeah, I don't know the the s nineteens are are pretty solid though, and really the the latest and greatest what we've seen the 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 current ecosystem of Bitcoin mining have been has been built on the the s nineteens. So millions of these devices and they do seem to be uh, fairly stable. I don't I don't know if they're as stable as the s nines, but they're very good now.
0: I've spoken with a few friends who told me that they bought graphics cards and early ASIC miners with their Bitcoin, expecting that Mm -hmm. they're going to be able to mine the same amount, but they got super wrecked because by the time they received their Butterfly Labs ASICs or their first ant miners, the difficulty went up so much that they were not able to recover their investment anymore. I mean, they could make the same amount in dollars, but never get their Bitcoins back.
1: Yeah, one of the saddest days of my life was when New Egg started accepting Bitcoin. <laughs> I fell into that a bit as well. Um, the, the running joke at the time was that these hardware manufacturers had a six-month break-in period on their devices, so they're like, "Oh yeah, it's it's a brand new device that's been on the rack mining for the last six months." And when when the difficulty started swinging up, and they pulled it off the rack and started shipping them uh, to users as a brand new product i i don't know you know no one had proof that that was happening but that was the, the running joke
0: yeah but that only goes back to the idea that there is some centralization with asic mining manufacturing and it's a bit unfortunate that today we only have two major players that's bitmain and what's minor correct i'm not sure if there's yeah. anything else that's competitive
1: I lost my audio. Give me a second here. Oh, there we go. I think it's
0: back. Cool. Let me repeat the question then. Yes, please do. So today we have two major manufacturers of ASIC ASIC miners, and that can be a bit of an issue due to supply chain distribution, and also the fact that they're both made in China as far as I know. So, what do you think this is? I recall Samsung and Intel taking an interest in creating these SHA two fifty six miners, but nobody entered the market.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people about the the Intel move. Um, I, I don't recall the specific reason why they backed out, but they were they were going in um, pretty heavy. Um, you know, we, we've we've heard of a lot of potential manufacturers over the years. So, so back in the day, we had you know Avalon and Canaan and Inosilicon and and a few others um, that uh, Spondulies uh, that that you know came, came and went. Right, uh, Bitmain was the the clear leader and just dominated uh what's minor um came up almost seemingly out of nowhere and is is matching them blow for blow um i've heard several miners or sorry manufacturers here in the u.s with better architecture um, that are building out the the next generation of chip now having a, a good architecture and a good chip design is just one step in a hundred step journey to actually get to a device Um, the problem is at the end of the day all these devices are more affordable to manufacture in China Um, so you're going to have a centralization risk or just around the manufacturing costs Um, you know we're getting more into you know this discussion can quickly get into uh, macroeconomics and geopolitical stuff when you start looking at the cost of living in the U.S. and why it's so expensive to manufacture things here and uh, just North America as a whole just being a terrible place for manufacturing, which has driven things overseas. Um, so the the currency wars and all that stuff has uh, has more or less dictated the centralization of supply chain at this point. Um, you know, I've heard news of um, some chip manufacturers in Norway um, that have uh, some incredible technology. I think you, you would talk to the guys, too. We had lunch with them, actually, in, in Prague. Um, on the Litecoin side, they have some amazing chips that they're producing. Um, but I, th- I think the, the um, China domin- dominance at this point with hardware is not going away anytime soon, And a lot of that is just because of larger um, geopolitical and macroeconomic factors.
2: CryptoSteel offers a durable physical backup for cryptocurrency key and recovery words. These user-friendly cold storage devices withstand harsh conditions, including fires, floods and earthquakes. Made from the finest European stainless steel, they are built to last. Accessible to all and requiring no computer skills, the original CryptoSteel Cassette and Capsule have been innovating Bitcoin security since 2013. They provide a reliable and robust backup, essential for the safety and longevity of your digital investments. Ideal for protecting your digital wealth. CryptoSteel isn't just a one-trick pony. Of course, it works with your Beep39 seed phrase but you can also use it for important passwords, Bitcoin core passphrases, Nostra private keys, and much more. Buy your CryptoSteel Metal Backup today from CryptoSteel.com and use promo code BTCTKVR to get a 10% discount. CryptoSteel, secure your Bitcoin like an OG.
0: Yeah, and I guess pretty much everything that we're using right now for our call is chinese from the microphone yep. maybe not a chinese brand but chinese made cameras phones
1: yeah. you know the reality is is the north american consumer uh want you know and european consumer want cheap electronics and they want cheap consumer goods uh, in order to have affordable consumer goods you have to be able to manufacture them um, at a very cheap price so then each uh part of the supply chain or each part of the distribution or logistics change chain gets their, um, up mark or, you know, markup, if you will. Um, this, uh, this whole world, um, economic system is, is right now being fueled by, uh, China essentially. I and mean, they're a massive producer of, uh, the consumerism in this world. Uh, until we start seeing uh, more manufacturing come out of South America or Mexico or Latin America, Africa, um, China will remain the dominant uh, force of consumer goods uh, for the foreseeable future. But that's a whole different discussion.
0: Yeah, and we also need to get into the territory of lumarin, if I'm pronouncing this correctly. Let's do it. Yep. Is it lumarin or lumerin? I uh, So I say Lumerin, some people
1: say Lumerin and stress the E. Uh, Lumerin sounds fine to me.
0: You're still mining and much more than this, you're yep. building marketplaces for hash rate.
1: Yeah, so let's swing back around to the, the original discussion point. When Satoshi created Bitcoin, the vision was everyone was going to mine, everyone was going to participate. And this was the vision with CPUs and then GPUs. Um, With the advent of ASICs, or FPGAs a little more so, and then ASICs, um, it completely changed the model, right? No longer can anyone with a computer um, just start mining Bitcoin. Um, They're completely outclassed with specialized hardware. So how do we restore Satoshi's vision of decentralization? How do we... Um, restore Satoshi's uh, uh, democratization of Bitcoin. Um, And the best thing I could come up with was a paper I wrote in 2017 called The Decentralization of Control, this idea that um, there's a big difference between distributed and decentralized. Uh, Distributed has a lot to do with geolocation um, and not so much to do with control. So we can have a fault-tolerant system that's fully distributed. We can have miners all around the world. Now, how do we keep these miners all around the world, regardless of where they mass, you know, amass? Um, how do we keep those decentralized, which has everything to do with who controls those devices? Well, I quickly realized that we're not going to be able to keep the the miners out of the hands of large players, right? The moment you show someone a little toaster that, and you tell them you plug it in, it'll print you money. They're going to quickly say, how many can I have? And where can I put them? So you have really wealthy people throwing hundreds of millions of dollars to build uh, facilities all around the world where they're shoving you know, hundreds of thousands of these little toasters um, that are mining Bitcoin. So now you have large publicly traded companies coming out of this where they're controlling now 30 to 40 exahash, hash, um, if not more now. Um, and it's becoming more and more centralized around big players. So we're never going to get away from that. Um, optimization comes with uh, greater numbers and greater amounts of centralization. Um, so, you know, public markets are all about optimization and making the most for your money. So we're not going to get around that. So if we know that there's always going to be a uh, less and less distribution or distributed aspects of the Bitcoin mining, how do we keep it decentralized? And that's where the idea of Lumarin came in. This idea if we can decouple um, where the device is located uh, from who controls the device, uh, then we can actually keep devices decentralized no matter where in the world they reside. So um, in short, Essentially, if a mining facility in Texas has 100,000 devices, that's all owned by a single company, rather than that single company use all 100,000 devices to mine with and point towards their own given mining pool, they can take those 100,000 devices and they can put them up for sale on the Lumerin Marketplace, which is a decentralized marketplace. Now, anyone in the world can purchase the rights to that device. And the the kicker is they're not just purchasing the the economic rights, where it's, oh, the device mined a certain amount of Bitcoin, they get that Bitcoin. No, they're actually purchasing the control of that device. And what that means is there is a data stream of hash rate coming out of that device, right? It's a hash rate generator, if you will. They get to pick, if they purchase rights to that device for a certain amount of time, they get to control where that hash power flows to, okay? So they get to select the end point. now you can have a hundred a facility with 100,000 devices in the middle of Texas, rather than being controlled by one person, all pointed in the same to the same endpoint, you can now sell it off to you know, a million different people to, to point it to a million different endpoints. Now this gives more democratization in which mining pools get selected, um, who wants to solo mine, which entities are going to amass hash power Um, that might not even control the devices or own the devices. Um, The whole vision being we decouple the control from the ownership of the device. Um, That way we take miners and we put them in the proper category of a utility. Um, They are now a hash power producer. They sell off their hash power to the highest bidder. And people around the world that want to mine Bitcoin can purchase that hash power and mine with it. Um, completely decentralized, completely anonymous. They're buying real hash power on a decentralized marketplace. Um, and if I explained it correctly, then you would understand. it. Uh, uh, sometimes I get a little wordy in it, though.
2: Hello, Bitcoin Takeover listeners. This is Victor from IVPN. We could have produced the flashy ad with lofty claims, but we like the straightforward approach, so I'll just uh, stick to the basics here. How are we different from other VPN providers? IVPN is run by Bitcoiners. We've been accepting Bitcoin since before the block size wars, now using BTC pay server and also accept Lightning payments. We also aim for radical transparency supported by open source software, regular audits and a transparent team. And finally, there's absolutely no KYC with IVPN. We don't ask for an email or any other personal information when you sign up. If you would like to test our service, send an email to trial at IVPN.net to receive a 30-day IVPN Pro Voucher.
0: Hello. I'm Vlad and I have been a user of iVPN Pro for longer than one year. What I like the most about it is being able to use 7 devices at the same time and using the multi-hop feature to connect to two different servers of my choosing at the same time. Also, your account consists of a randomly generated string of letters and numbers which are not linked to your email address, bank account or real life identity. You top it up with a lightning payment and you get instant confirmation at low fees. Definitely get your 30-day IVPN Pro trial by sending an email to trial at IVPN.net. Make sure you use a burner email address that you probably already have for trolling. No, that was really interesting. I didn't think about this too much. I do remember a few years ago, there was compass mining, which went, I mean, they're under a lot of pressure. I'm not sure if they're still in business, but it was very difficult for them to keep up with the demand. And sometimes the workers, the mining devices that were being rented by their clients were no longer operational and they could not account for that. So there was the reward part that was going to the person renting the hash power. But there was no control over the miners. So how do you get control?
1: So and this is this is a key differential because there have been cloud hashing products for years. Um, I actually wrote one of the original cloud hashing uh, systems back in 2013. Um, so there you know that's been around for a long time is purchasing the rights to the hash power. Now actually purchasing the stream of hash power and controlling the stream of hash power, um, you know, that, that's that been around in a centralized form through a nice hash, if you will. So nice hash and mining rig rentals and a, and a few other services that popped up in 2013, 2014, you could actually purchase the stream of hash power. But once again, that's all through a centralized system, which is acting as the traffic cop, um, where it monitors that the seller and the buyer are both good actors, and they are operating according to the economics of the contract. Now with the advent of smart contracts, we can actually program all of this. So the Lumarin node is a traffic cop, if you will, on behalf of the buyer, and a regulator on behalf of the seller. And the bounds of the engagement are all written into a smart contract. And the sellers Lumera node and the buyer's Lumera node follow the orders inside the smart contract. So they're abiding by the rules in the smart contract. Now, if a buyer or seller goes in and tinkers with their node, which they can because this is open source software and fully decentralized, we have no control over if the buyer is a good actor or a bad actor and same with the seller. So if they want to put on their programming hat and they want to go in and tinker with the node and become a bad actor, then the the whole economic model will break down and the nodes will not function correctly by design. So if the seller tries to under um, provide hash rate or basically under deliver, then the buyer's node, which acts as a traffic cop, will call foul and cancel the contract. If the buyer's node tries to underpay, then the contract will not go through and the seller's node will never route hash power. So all of the rules are actually built into a peer-to-peer system fully decentralized, fully trustless, where a buyer and a seller don't have to know each other, they don't have to like each other, they don't have to know anything about where the other one resides. It's all um, happening through a smart contract engagement. Um, and this is the very first time we've ever seen something that, be, that can be considered a commodity, which is hash power, can be not only bought and sold on a global decentralized market, but it can actually be distributed through a decentralized system. Um, It's almost like having a global power grid um, where we trade electricity options all day long, but they are options because we cannot trade electricity uh, between grids, but we can convert that electricity into hash power and trade it on a global mining grid, if you will. Um, And this is revolutionary. We've never seen a global commodities market where you can have a decentralized anonymous Uh, infrastructure and instant fulfillment.
0: That's interesting. But if someone wants to start today and maybe rent some hash power and also get control over it, what is the procedure? What is the user experience like? It's getting better.
1: (laughs) Um, You know, we've been working at this for the last couple of years. Um, You know, the the first renditions of it were pretty rough. Uh, we launched on Mainnet at the end of uh, September. That was our grand announcement when we were in Prague. Um, so the marketplace is live on Mainnet Arbitrum. Um, so you can uh, pull up uh, the Lumerin node. You can, well, first of all, you download it at lumarin.io. You'll download the Lumerin node. Um, it's going to connect to the Arbitrum network um, and you'll see your Arbitrum ETH and your Arbitrum Lumerin right there. Um, you can purchase Lumarin through a few different exchanges or through um, one of the DEXs and you can purchase Arbeeth or you can just bridge Arbeeth over and you're good to go. Um, the Lumarin interface is kind of this all-in-one, um, very akin to the original Bitcoin node where you have the marketplace, the wallet, um, and the proxy routing system and the validator all in a single piece of software. Um, so it's it's not it's it's all modular in architecture, but it's all baked into a single piece of software. Um, so you install the the node. You're going to have to go through a few setup tasks because you are actually streaming real hash power through your system. So you have to remember you're not going to load this on your phone. You're not going to load this on your laptop if your laptop is getting turned on and off or doing updates in the middle of the night because once you purchase hash power that device has to stay on as long as you're streaming the hash power. Um, otherwise, the contract will get canceled the moment you uh, turn off your device. Um, so a couple, uh, a couple things to be aware of. But uh, for more information, just simply go to lumarin.io. Um, You can find us on Telegram, you can find us on Twitter. Um, you know, the, the goal is to get people involved in the community. And the ultimate goal is to get everybody mining. Um, we, we really believe in the anonymous decentralized distribution of Bitcoin, where anyone, no matter who you are, where you are in the world, I don't care if you're in North Korea, I don't care if you're in India, I don't care if you're in Nepal or Botswana, it doesn't matter. If you are a human being on earth, you should have the ability to acquire Bitcoin. Um, Now, that's not a very popular view with a lot of governments or political regimes, but this is what I believe in, is the sovereignty and ownership of currency. And that's what I believe Bitcoin's all about. And that's what we support at Lumarin.
2: Sato chip provides open source solutions based on smart card to assist you in your crypto journey. The hardware wallet lets you safely store your private keys within the tamper-proof chip memory. While Sato dime allows you to create a barrier cold storage in two clicks. Thanks to its mobile app. And SeedKeeper is the ultimate hardware device to store and manage your seed phrases. Become self-custody with Sato Chip. Your keys, your coins.
0: Is this your secret plan problem. to get Ethereum people to mine Bitcoin? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> because it's weird, right? You have to get on the Ethereum network and buy a token and deploy a smart contract to be able to rent hash rate on the Bitcoin network. You know,
1: it's it's really interesting, but right now, there is no way to bridge from Ethereum, well, apart from Lumarin, there was no way to bridge directly from Ethereum to Bitcoin without touching some type of centralized system. But now, through purchasing hash power through a decentralized system, you can actually bridge your Ethereum or any ERC-20 token over into native Bitcoin. It just takes a little time.
0: Yeah, it, it sounds pretty interesting. And I hope that, you know, you're going to be able to bring this to RGB or some Bitcoin layer whenever that one gets deployed so you can get capital from both Ethereans and Bitcoiners to rent hash rate as you know, okay. there's a bit of a culture war between the communities. And I'm pretty sure that hardcore Bitcoiners would be like, oh, I'm never going to touch ETH just to rent hash power.
1: You know, the hardcore Bitcoiners don't know what to do with themselves when they when they see this type of system, because it, it solves an interest, intrinsic problem with Bitcoin centralization, but it's doing it on a Web3 ecosystem. So they want to love it, but they want to hate it at the same time. Um, it's a, a little uh, love and war there. Um, but you're exactly right. Once we can get a evm compatible system that is native on bitcoin we can launch the same marketplace on bitcoin Um, now this is this marketplace that we've been talking about is simply trading hash power right now but lumarin can be used to trade any data stream so any tcp ip socket can be routed through the lumarin um, pattern this includes ai compute This includes every other type of hash power. This includes file streaming. This includes telecommunications. This includes a lot of other implications um, for data streams. Um, So a global decentralized hash power marketplace is just scratching the surface of what we can do with the pattern on
0: Lumarin. And it kind of blew my mind. But I know you have another call, and I don't want to take too much of your time. So can you tell the listeners, once again, where they can find more information?
1: Yep, uh, Lumerin.io. That's L-U-M-E-R-I-N.io. You can find us on Telegram, Twitter. We might have a TikTok and YouTube. That's not my expertise, but just go to Lumerin.io, and you'll be able to get plugged into the ecosystem from there.
0: And if they want to follow you personally?
1: I. Uh, you'll you'll find me uh through lumarin uh unfortunately i'm not super strong on social media i do have a a twitter i do have a telegram i don't even remember what my handles are half the time so if you if you follow lumarin eventually they'll tag me in something and you can find me but my name is ryan condren and uh if i if i was better at marketing myself um (laughs) uh, i I might be able to answer that question a little better
0: thank you very much ryan
1: (laughs) all right thanks Vlad. appreciate your time.